Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The Pistons and Rockets squared off in a battle of top draft picks. The Panthers are looking at life without their quarterback while also getting revenge for Brian Burns. Plus, where will Odell Beckham Jr. land? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. In the battle of the top two overall picks, it was Cade Cunningham coming out on top against Jalen Green. The Pistons get a 112-104 win. Cunningham with a season-high 20 points on by far his best shooting performance of the season. Joining me now from Locked On Pistons is Koo Cahill. And Koo, this was, uh, as I said, the best offensive performance from Cunningham this season. What was what What was different for him in this game? Uh, it, he was just hitting shots. Uh, all season, he's done a great job of creating his own shot, getting space on his jumpers. He just wasn't hitting shots thus far. He was coming off an ankle injury, didn't have his legs. Simply the difference tonight was that he was able to hit four of eight obvious three-pointers. He looked like he got some of his legs back, knocking off some rust. That's really all it was. Everything else is stuff we've been seeing all season already. We knew that that he was not the crazy athlete that Jalen Green was, right? And and that is something that has shown up. We, you know, Jalen Green is probably going to show up on more Instagram videos than Cade Cunningham. That does not mean that he is going to contribute to winning in the same way as Cade Cunningham. This was also a game in which Jeremy Grant scored 35. And it does seem like he is still the the point man in terms of scoring for this offense. How much better do you think he can make someone like Grant? Because it does seem like when he's in the game, the ball is moving a lot more. There just is a little bit more verb, a little bit more pop in this offense. Yeah, definitely. When Cade's been in the lineup, uh, it's actually been something I've talked about a lot on my podcast that, you know, the Pistons have played slow throughout the whole season. I think they're 27th in transition frequency uh, on the whole season. But since Cade's been back the last four games, they've been sixth in transition frequency. So when he's in the game and he's played, they definitely play faster. The ball movement definitely is much more crisp. And definitely that helps a guy like Jeremy Grant, who I believe is at his best when he lets the game come to him. He's playing more off ball and playing off of other guys, which is something you saw a lot of tonight. Uh, he did hit a couple pull-up middies. He started feeling himself once he started getting going. But he started getting going because of the ball movement and, and guys like Cade, Killian, you know, getting him the ball in places where he likes it. We are going to compare these two guys forever. And and it did seem like Jalen relished the opportunity to go at Cade. Had the, had the monster dunk off the right wing where he beat Cade to the bucket. Got a technical because he was woofing at him after the play. Like this could be, I saw someone mention on Twitter that like Carmelo always got up to play LeBron. It seems like that's going to be the case, but it didn't seem to phase Cade at all. Well, before I say anything, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a quote right here from Cade Cunningham after the game, which is, they asked him about players talking trash to him tonight. He said, nothing I heard tonight held any real weight. It was all for the cameras, I thought. So there you go. That Cade, Cade at no point, yeah, <laughs> at no point tonight did Cade really talk back to Jalen Green. Uh, actually, I, I believe after he got teed up, they pointed the cameras at them both. And it was Cade looking back at him, smiling, laughing basically at him. So, I mean, that was one of the things that the Pistons really liked about Cade is that, you know, at some points tonight, in my opinion, it looked like that Jalen Green was more interested in the 1v1 between him and Cade. And Cade is going to be remained on the team and winning team first, like all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the reasons, the big reasons why the Pistons went with Cade Cunningham. So he's not going to be phased by trash talk. I'm sure he'll engage in trash talk himself at some point, but 
he's not going to be that type of player who gets all crazy over over getting a dunk against the high school press. Follow Locked on Pistons for more on the number one picks first pro season. Coming up, the Panthers have a lot going on. Who will be their signal caller this week? And what will his revenge for Brian Burns look like? And today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all of the local, uh, all the parts you need at your local chain auto parts store. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time, save money. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? You don't have to do that. You don't have to give them their money. You don't have to give your money away. RockAuto.com is a family business. They serve do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. You don't know what these prices are, are supposed to be. I don't know what these parts are supposed to cost. So go somewhere where the prices are always reliably low for every customer go explore their easy to use website today and find a solution for all your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you now here's what you need to be locked on today the celtics got a convincing win at home over the raptors hey there john corrales here at the td garden after the boston celtics 104.88 win over the toronto raptors bull gangs tearing the the building apart behind me and the Celtics tore the Raptors apart in the first half, especially doing everything they couldn't do in the first game, holding the Raptors to 88 points. Just a tremendous defensive effort for the Celtics in this one. Jason Tatum with the big game, uh, even though he didn't shoot well. Robert Williams with a ton of offensive rebounds and putbacks, uh, career high in offensive rebounds. Yeah, the Celtics hit a little bit of a, uh, a slump there in the second half, turned the ball over a ton, but they withstood what the Toronto Raptors were throwing at them, which is something that they haven't been able to do in the first half of the season. They've been doing a lot better at that in the, five, the past five or six games. So the Celtics get their revenge, so to speak, against the Toronto Raptors. The Bulls have won back-to-back games after they held off the Mavericks Wednesday night. What's up, Bulls Nation? Matt Peck here from Locked On Bulls with your post-game takeaway. The Bulls beat the Mavs at home. 117-107 was the final. And on a rare offensive off night from DeMar DeRozan, kudos to the Bulls for stepping up from behind the three-point line. Coming into tonight, the Bulls were dead last in the NBA in three-point attempts per game and 29th in the NBA in three-point makes per game at just 9.5. They drained 15 threes tonight, thanks in large part to Lonzo Ball, who was 7 of 10 from downtown to go along with his 21-6-6 and stat line. And also, shout out to Alex Caruso, thanks Lakers, who went 3 of 4 from downtown for 16 points, and his 6 steals on the defensive end chipped into some great fast break and transition easy buckets for the Bulls tonight, including some highlight dunks from who else? Zach Levine. The Bulls now head out on a five-game West Coast road trip, and it is a gauntlet. The Pitt men's basketball program, man, it looks to be in shambles. Nick Faribault here, locked on Pitt. Just outside the P here, going to work this Pitt women's basketball game. But, man, the men's basketball program continues to look absolutely terrible. The news just broke. Judah Mintz is out. He's decommitted. And it, was, it was the early signing period. There was not a lot of rumblings of if he was going to sign or not. And he doesn't, not only does he not sign, he decommits. Jeff Cape loses a top 100 player in his only commit 
for the 2022 commitment uh, recruiting class. And I mean, that was the last hope for the future after what you saw last night. It was devoid of talent. Femi Odukali and John Hooker were the early two quality players that you could really count on for the future. Maybe Will Jeffress turns into something. Maybe Noah Collier does. Maybe Nate Santos. But let's be honest, it didn't look like a fluke. It looked awful. And you combine this news with what happened against the Citadel and what probably is going to transpire the rest of the season. Capel's got a huge buyout. And let's be real about that. Capel's buyout is probably in the double millions. I mean, 15-ish million. Probably around there. It has an extension through 2027. It's going to be hard, but listen, with the way the season looks, with the way the future looks, with how bleak it looks, it's becoming harder and harder to see Jeff Cable be the Pitt head coach, the Pitt men's basketball head coach in 2022. Sad thing, Jeff Cable, great guy, good leader. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's working out. And the general manager for the Ducks have been placed on administrative leave. I'm Jason Hernandez from Locked On Anaheim Ducks with this breaking news that Ducks general manager Bob Murray has been placed on administrative leave by the team on Tuesday. The team became aware of accusations of improper professional conduct against Murray and this internal investigation was conducted by Los Angeles-based law firm Shepard Mullen. Accusations include him creating a toxic work environment with verbal abuse, harassment, and intimidation that resulted in a culture of fear throughout the organization. Fortunately, the Ducks are nipping this in the bud immediately by putting him on administrative leave now rather than have this situation escalate down the line. Bob Murray was already on the final year of his contract, and it appears that he will not be returning past the end of this season anyway. With that said, it's now time for the Ducks to move forward and continue this winning streak. As VP of Hockey Operations and Assistant GM, Jeff Solomon will become the interim general manager for now. That was not the plot of the Disney movie I remember. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for coming up on betonline.ag, your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. Here's a couple of football and basketball lines for your Thursday at BetOnline. The Ravens are favorites on the road against the Dolphins. BetOnline.ag has them seven and a half point favorites in Miami. On the college, Gridiron Pitt welcomes North Carolina to town. The Panthers are the favorites at home. BetOnline has them laying six and a half in college basketball has a midnight matchup in Hawaii as they welcome Northern Colorado to the island. BetOnline.ag thinks this will be a close one, though, favoring Northern Colorado on the road by two. For all your gambling needs, BetOnline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Don't forget to use your promo code LOCKEDON to get that bonus. Here is another story you need to know. The Carolina Panthers are not winning like they were early in the season, but they are still making news. Sam Darnold with a shoulder injury is going to miss around a month. And Brian Burns has an ankle injury in part because a different quarterback decided he was going to turn that ankle for reasons. We'll get to that in a little bit. Joining me now from Locked on Panthers, Julian Council. And Julian, let's start with Sam Darnold. Uh, this has been a bit of a quarterback carousel now at that position uh, with Matt Rule. Where where does Carolina go from here? Uh, well, P.J. Walker, that's who's up next. And this is a question I was actually asking this offseason, knowing that Sam Donald throughout his career has struggled, but also he has yet to play a 16-game season. Now playing 17 games a season, I figured, 
why not go out there and try and find a veteran backup to maybe mentor Darnold, but also be there in the event that the Carolina Panthers weren't with him for three to four weeks. He's going to go on IR. They're going to be without him for at least the next three games. Matt Rule said it's at least a four-week injury, and it could be longer depending on how he recovers. So that means P.J. Walker, who was here last year as a backup at Teddy Bridgewater, had to start against Detroit in a game where they won, but he also threw two red zone interceptions, and the Panthers' defense gave zero points. So pretty hard to lose when your team doesn't give up a single point in that game. So P.J., he has the tools with the strong arm, He's fun, really good off platform in terms of the, the plays he can make. But like Sam Donald, the decision making isn't great. So at least on Sunday against Arizona, he's going to be the guy. They brought in Matt Barkley, who was in Buffalo for a couple years with now assistant general manager Dan Morgan. So there's a relationship there. It was currently on or before he was signed on the off of the uh, Titans practice squad. So at least he brings some sort of president, pre- veteran presence there. PJ Walker is going to be the guy moving forward for Carolina even though I don't know how much faith they truly have on him for a decent period of time if he's actually got to start the next three to four weeks. And the other quarterback news, as I mentioned, Mac Jones, uh, in after an interception, he goes out and grabs Brian Burns' ankle, turns it, Burns immediately grabs for it in pain, and then on Wednesday comes out and basically does the John Wick says, all right, everyone, everyone knows what's up. My, my, my defensive end brothers are, are, you know, we, we all saw it. Yeah. Yeah. He put out a hit on a Wednesday, <laughs> pretty much. Like that's the only way you can look at it. He's like, Hey, the mafia, that is the edge rushers here in the NFL, Mac Jones, that guy kind of a shady partner. So go out there and get him. Hassan Reddick, his uh, DN brother in here in Carolina came out on Sunday and he said, I don't care. Like you can find me, whatever. Like that was a dirty play. He said his mind was blown from what he's seen. And the thing is, too, like with Mac Jones, I don't really know what to think of it. Because in the heat of the moment, you're going a million miles per hour. You just got sacked. You lost the ball. There's an argument to say is that maybe he thought that Brian Burns still had the football and that he was trying to hold on to his leg. And then Brian Burns, maybe trying to twist out of it, gets hurt. There's also the more sinister angle where Mac Jones is a dirty player. At least that's how some people have viewed him this week and where he twisted Brian Burns' ankle and intentionally tried to hurt him. And Brian Burns went out not just only that play, but later on in the game with a right ankle injury. And Matt Rule came and said on Wednesday that he's not quite sure whether Burns is going to play. Now, what Burns also said he doesn't see any reason why he won't play on Sunday. So I can see both sides of it, even though I'm probably leaning more towards a little bit of tomfoolery there from Mac Jones, which is not a great reputation to have halfway through your career, at least your first year as a rookie quarterback in the National Football League. Follow Locked on Panthers for more. Coming up, Odell Beckham Jr. reportedly has his preferences on where he will land. So who will step up and sign him? Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Period. End of story, but not the end of the ad read. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar but it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars to really believe it for yourself. Most protein bars, they don't taste very good. And the consistency is gross. And you just, you you fight it. You're just like, okay, well, I guess I gotta eat this because I, I need I need something. But a Bilt Bar, soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more than just a protein bar. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, 
yet high in protein and high in fiber. Another great thing about Built Bar, they are diverse in their flavor offerings. There's something for everyone. And this month, Built Bar is coming out with limited time flavors every three to four days. So check the website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. After getting his release from the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr., was expected to be a sought-after commodity on the open market. According to reports, the Packers, Chiefs, and Saints were among the top choices for OBJ. But now, according to Kim Jones and Ian Rappaport, he is going to take potentially several days to make a decision on his next step. Joining me now from Locked on Saints, Ross Jacklin, Jackson. Ugh. Joining me now from Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson. And Ross, when I look at those those top options, I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. Like it doesn't it doesn't seem like that hard a decision to me. So what is the case for New Orleans for OBJ? Yeah, you're right. It's not that hard of a decision at all. You go with Trevor Simeon and you go with Jason Hill. It's very, very <laughs> simple. <laughs> no, but I think you, you, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? You look at the elite talent at quarterback in two of those places in, in, in Kansas City as well as in Green Bay. You look at the elite coaching in both of those places as well. The offensive-minded coaching in both those places. The only thing that really goes in the New Orleans Saints' favor is potentially – target share that might be it but it's not yeah. as if there aren't enough targets to go around to give Odo Beckham Jr. 10 shots at making plays in both Kansas City as well as in Green Bay certainly not a problem in Green Bay so the way that I look at it is if the New Orleans Saints are going to be the team that somehow comes out with all of this uh, it has to be because of a hard sell in terms of what Sean Payton and this New Orleans Saints offense and system have to offer and potentially a certain level of economics and contract that might it might entice Odell Beckham Jr. because of potential long-term potential that could come with the New Orleans Saints. And and so, I mean, I think that all makes sense. You want to be the number one receiver, you can go to New Orleans and be the number one receiver, but you're you're making this sacrifice at quarterback. You go to Kansas City, you have the elite quarterback, but that is a team that has been in, in disarray. Maybe he is the thing that can kick that offense into overdrive, but this Jordan Love game, notwithstanding, the defense has not been great. The offense is hit or miss, and they are still behind some very good teams in the AFC. I'm I'm sort of looking at this, Ross, and, you know, all, all bias is on the table. I cover the Packers, um, but it just seems like that's the team that makes the most sense for Odell Beckham, not just because of everything I, I mentioned with the quarterback and, and you said the, the offensive-minded head coach and, and the offensive talent on that team. The Packers play the Cleveland Browns on Christmas. Come oh, on. Yeah. Now, you're, now you're tugging on heartstrings. But I mean, look, if you get a tug at heartstrings, you have to also look at the fact that, you know, one of the big things that appeals that could appeal to Otto Beckham Jr. is the opportunity to come back to Louisiana. Right. Yep. And to have an impact in his uh, effectively his home state team. I, I think, look, the way that I look at this is that when you look at Kansas City, I think Kansas City is probably honestly the worst option of those three for him because the problems that Kansas City are having consistently, Odo Beckham Jr. can't fix. Odo Beckham Jr. can't fix that defense. Odo Beckham Jr. can't fix whatever it is that's going on with Patrick Mahomes, right? 
So I think that I kind of look at Kansas City as actually maybe being the least appealing of the three options. Whereas in New Orleans, one of the biggest standout issues that this team has had is lack of talent at the field position players. And you know the fact of the matter is that Trevor Simeon might not be the most talented quarterback, but neither was Eli Manning at the time that Odell Beckham Jr. was playing with him. Neither, of course, was Baker Mayfield. So either you look at that and say, Odell Beckham Jr. found a way to be productive with those quarterbacks, or you look at that and say, well, if he could do that with those quarterbacks, then imagine what he could do with Aaron Rodgers. So that for me, it really comes down to between the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. And where the New Orleans Saints have to get sort of competitive is what they might be able to do financially with their ability to bend the books, to walk the line, to you know straddle the salary cap and maneuver the salary cap the way that they do, to be able to give Odell Beckham Jr. something that the Green Bay Packers can't. Because otherwise, that really goes in the Green Bay Packers' direction. And finally, one key member of the Braves organization had to get creative when celebrating the World Series title in quarantine. On the morning of Game 4, Alex Anthopoulos, the man who was in charge of the roster restructure that led to the title, tested positive for COVID-19. He did not travel to Houston for Game 6 and was not there to celebrate with the team he built. He was stuck at home with his family. He said the kids wanted to pull out the Sprite and spray it all over the house. He said he spent most of the night counting the outs, then he quietly put the kids to bed and then answered the congratulatory texts and emails while also jotting down memories of the playoff run. Sounds like a party that would make the Banana Boat crew jealous. Well, I'm, I'm sure he enjoyed it either way. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Make your second listen Locked On Bets. Download and subscribe free and available on all platforms. Coming up Friday, what are the biggest keys to victory in Week 10 of the NFL? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. Today.